Christians, as followers of Jesus. Um, today, as Jason said, we're starting off by talking about the idea of incarnation, intentional incarnation. Um, we follow the pattern of Christ, the mystery of Christ, of God becoming flesh, becoming one of us. The Word became flesh. And so we're challenged to follow that pattern and to be marked by that same pattern of life. Okay? Before we get cranking uh, this morning, I think we need to have a little bit of fun with each other. Okay? You cool with that? Everybody good? Yes, I heard one grunt. Okay? (laughs) Sweet. That person is definitely ready. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I am going to need two volunteers that I am randomly picking from the Smitty. Justin Meckes, come up here. Sweet. I totally planted these guys before, by the way. (laughs) Confession, just kidding. Okay. Okay, I need these two guys. We're gonna do a little um, we're gonna do a little activity. All right, let's let's get let's get ready to have some fun. All right, this is Smitty. Oh all right. Gonna do a little game show activity here, a little game time, okay? Smitty is one of Carborough's finest and bravest. All right, he's a he's a fireman <laughs> with the town of Carborough. This is Justin Meckes. He is a local writer and uh, in his spare time, a stunt double for Ben Foltz. Okay? <laughs> Sweet. So these two guys are going to help me. Oh, that's your full-time <laughs> job. All right, grab the mic here. Justin, you're going to start with the mic. Uh, okay, and Smitty is going to be... Yeah, okay, here we go. We're going to play a little game of gestures, okay? A little charades action, all right? Um, and so here's, here are the rules. Smitty's going to act it out. I'm going to show him the clue. He's going to act it out. You guess it. Okay. When you get it correct, you pass the mic to Smitty and then you're going to act out the next word and he's going to guess it. Okay. There are no passes. Okay. Cause this is not family game night in your living room. <laughs> this is like the real deal. Okay. I'm really We're going nervous. hardcore here. You should be. No whammies. No okay. Whammies. Are we ready? I'm ready. Okay. You have two minutes. To complete as many as possible. Justin is our timer. All right, Justin, are you ready to go? What if we don't get any? Okay. If you don't get any, then we're all going to mock you. Okay? Fair enough. All right, sweet. And and they're going to need your encouragement, all right? So you're going to have to cheer them on and and help them out with this. Okay. Are you ready? On your mark. Get set. Gestures. Mr. Robot. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Let me get out of your way. <laughs> Come on, here we go. No, I wish. Can I call a friend? No, you can't call a friend. Okay, we're going to pass that one. All right. You said no passes. Okay. Dinosaur. <laughs> a bear? <laughs> a mascot? I don't know. A lion. lion, all right. Oh. Lion's head. Lion King. Lion King, <laughs> correct. Okay. All right, your turn. Pass the mic. How are we on time? <laughs> you don't know? Okay. Baseball. Bro, pass. Quarterback. Quarterback, Tim Zebo. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Ah, here, 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 forget it. 
star. Come on. 30 seconds. Starbucks is correct. Starbucks is correct. All right. Come on. You can do it. Old man coffee is correct. All right. Okay. Back to that one. Come on. You can do it. Lasso with Indiana Jones. <laughs> Harry Potter. All right. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. Give them a hand, people. That was amazing. Thank you, guys. We almost had an injury. The first injury in the history of gestures. All right. Actually, probably not. Okay. Cool. There you go. Okay. That had nothing to do with the message whatsoever. All right? Just kidding. It totally did. Okay? Um, so this morning we're talking about the idea of incarnation. Okay? What does that have to do with it? There's a difference between hearing a word or reading a word and experiencing a word coming to life right before your eyes. Right? Especially when it's Smitty giving the... Okay. All right. That was very interesting. Okay. Uh, there, there's a difference between that, right? But when you experience a word, then it's a, it, it's a totally different thing for you, correct? It, it, it strikes a memory in, in a completely different way. And guaranteed, the next time you go to Starbucks, you're going to think of Smitty, okay? And by the way, the Tim Tebow reference, um, every church in America got our talking points for the day, and we are, were required to mention Tim Tebow at least once, okay? <laughs> there it was. All right. Sweet. Um, but today, so we're talking about this idea of, of the incarnation, of the word becoming flesh, right? Uh, of God taking it from just something that is said to something that is flesh and blood. We see the word in action. We experience the word coming to life. This idea is one of the foundational ideas in Scripture. It's one of the foundational ideas of Christianity. It is at the heart of who we are as Christians, this belief. That God is not just some deity off in the distance. But that God, in this miraculous moment, in this ridiculous act of love, became flesh, became one of us. Who didn't just decree salvation from a distance, but he stepped into creation to lead us out from the inside. To rescue us from the inside became one of us flesh and blood the incarnation incredible incredible idea at the foundation of all of scripture father help us this morning as we dig into your word as we open it up and we believe that your word is alive we thank you for your son jesus the message alive among us I pray that you would just strike us and strike our hearts today with the truth of this and help us as we explore the ways to take the word and bring it in to our daily lives. So your name we pray. Amen. John chapter 1. The book of John, one of the, one of the four gospels that tells the story 
of the life of Jesus. But John begins his book in a peculiar way. He begins with this poetic prologue. The first 18 verses of the book of John are this poetic prologue that sets up the whole rest of the book. And it lets us know from the very beginning who Jesus is. It lets us know what we're getting ourselves into here in exploring the book of John. Let's us know who Jesus is and then also challenges us with how to live out that same pattern in our lives. John chapter 1, starting with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. This beautiful, poetic prologue here to the gospel of John, to this this story of Jesus. And he begins by framing the whole thing with this idea of the word that became flesh, God himself coming to us to make God known beautiful beautiful several things that just leap out to me here as as we walk through this passage and things that have been foundational to us since we um since we started this church a couple of years ago this passage has been foundational for us continually pushing us and challenging us here here are a few of those things at the at the very start here the first three lines of the book of john begin with these words In the beginning. In the beginning. This is an intentional move on John's part to trip your memory. Okay? He is trying to trigger something in your memory when he begins the book this way. Where have we seen that before? Genesis. Okay? Exactly. That's how the book of Genesis begins. The book that is about the origins of all things. And it begins in the beginning. Right? And so, John uses these same words to begin his book. 
And it's intentional. It's not that he's like stealing it and trying to slip it, you know, under the radar and get away with it. He means to do this. And he wants you to immediately think then of the creation story back to the book of Genesis. What is he trying to say? Why begin the book of G- about Jesus in this way? Because he's telling us, first of all, Jesus was at the beginning. And second of all, that the story of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, is a new creation story. That everything is beginning all over again. And that what went off the rails in the garden is going to be restored, redeemed, set right again through the life, through the death, through the resurrection of Jesus. Very beginning, he frames it in this way. And it's an intentional move. This is a new creation story. The whole thing is about to start over through Jesus. And what went wrong in the garden will be redeemed and restored through the life of Jesus Christ. The second thing that, that jumps out to me here is, the, is this word, okay? The word, word that he uses here. And, and it's an interesting concept, okay? Why does he refer to Jesus as the word? The, the Greek word that we're talking about here that we translate as word is actually the word logos, okay? It's the word logos. And, and this word has multiple meanings to it, okay? In its most simple and kind of original form, it just means word or speech or story or message. It can be used to mean all of those things. But somewhere around uh, about 500 years before the birth of Jesus, Greek philosophers began to borrow that term, adopt it, and adapt it to mean something different. Okay? It also was borrowed to mean kind of the organizing principle of the universe. Okay? It, w- it was meant to, to identify the thing that gives shape, that gives form, that gives life to all of the universe. And so this word has this double meaning here. And John places it here on purpose, intentionally, to tell us that Jesus is both of these things. He is the story. He is the message. He is the word of God. At the same time, he is the organizing principle of the entire universe. He is the source of life. He is utter life itself, dynamic, pulsing, energized life alive. He is the thing that gives life to life. Okay? He is what makes the sets the sun on fire. He is what draws oaks up out of the soil. He is what gives everything to everything. Okay? That's what Jesus is, is what he's saying. That from the beginning, he is the word that God spoke to bring everything into creation, bring creation into existence. He is the spark of creation this is who jesus is this is how central jesus is to everything and yet he goes on to say that even though he created everything creation didn't recognize him even though he is the source of life for us when we saw him we rejected him we didn't even know him and our everything meant nothing to us this is how he is beginning this book here. He's beginning that. He goes on to say that the word became 
flesh. This organizing principle, the story, the message, the thing that gives life to life became one of us. That God himself stepped into creation to save it from the inside. As he goes a little further, he makes this comment and he says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. His dwelling among us. The word dwelling there is another Old Testament hint for us. Again, it's meant to to waken up a memory of the Old Testament for us. The word literally means to to tent, all right, to to like or to set up camp. Like to set up a tent, to set up camp. Okay? And he uses that intentionally because it triggers a memory for us of Exodus when God lived in a tent. Remember, as the people are going through the desert and as Moses is leading them through the desert, God's presence comes to live with his people. And they like set up this tent. And as they move as nomads, they take the tent with them and move it along as this symbol that God's presence is constantly with them. It's interesting because it's the first time in the Old Testament since the Garden of Eden that it's said that God is dwelling with his people that God is living with his people. He locates himself with his people. And here we have it again. He's at it again, but this time on such a, a more profound level. God doesn't come to live in a tent, but he comes to live as one of us. Flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. Okay? And then he goes on, and this is a powerful statement that he makes. He says that that no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, meaning Jesus himself, has come to make God known to us. And that's what the incarnation does. The incarnation helps us to put our hands on God. We can put our minds around him finally. We can understand him in a way that we couldn't before. That he comes to live out before us what it means to follow him, what it means to live lives that are surrendered and obedient to the will of God. So what does all of this matter? What, what does this tell us? It tells us a couple of things. First of all, it tells us that we are dealing here with a God who comes to us. A God who comes to us, who just doesn't stay distant and kind of hopes things work out for us. But he comes down in the middle of it. And he places himself right in the middle of it. We have a, a, one of our great friends around here, Robbie Barnes. He, he preached last week up here and did an excellent job. And, and if you were here, you got to see Robbie's heart shining through. I love it. I love that about Robbie. When Robbie first moved here to town, um, one day he, he took his backpack and he, and he put a pillow in there and he put a sleeping bag in there. And, and Robbie started walking uh, down Franklin Street, left his apartment started walking down Franklin Street. Um, when he got to Columbia, he took a right. Walked down Columbia. When he hit Rosemary, he took a left. And Robbie walked up the steps of our local men's shelter. And Robbie knocked on the door, and he gathered his courage, and they opened the door, and he said, is it okay if I stay here with you guys tonight? And Robbie stepped in, and he took his sleeping bag, and he rolled it out, and he slept there. Um, on the floor next to his friends that he had been doing ministry alongside of. When I first heard that story, the very first thing that popped in my mind was, 
Why didn't we think of that? That is the incarnation. That is what it's like. It takes the mystery of the incarnation and it makes us simple and it makes it understandable for us. That's what God does. He doesn't just hope for us from the outside, but he knocks on the door and he rolls out his sleeping bag and he takes his place on the floor right there next to us. That is the power of the incarnation. God is challenging us to live in that same way as a church, to embrace this same pattern that he has lived out and to live it out here in our town. One of the marks of this church is we want to be known for intentional incarnation, for making our home here. When we first started this church, um, the collection of churches that we're a part of gave us this building that's like on the outskirts of town, this beautiful little church, nice little place. And they were like, hey, you can meet in this place for free. Okay, it's, it's right there. It's, it's yours. You can meet in there for free. And that was really nice for a church who's broke, right? We're like, cool. But from the beginning, we knew that wasn't us. That wasn't us. And we're like, this really seems dumb on the surface, but we're going to turn that offer down. Thank you very much, but we're going to turn that offer down. And we are going to go rent a place down in the heart of the city. We want to be at the historical and, and the cultural heart of Chapel Hill. And that's why we meet here in the varsity. It's not, number one, because we don't have any other place to meet. It's not because we are trying to be cool and a failed attempt at it, okay? It's not because we're trying to be different from any other church, okay? It's not any of those things. It's because this is the heart of Chapel Hill. Because this is the heart of the town that we are called to love. And we want to be in the middle of it, embracing this pattern of intentional incarnation. And that's why we pay money to meet here instead of meeting out there. Because out there, all of our effort and our energy would be to try to draw people to us, right? Come come find us out here, out in the woods somewhere, right? But instead, we, we felt compelled by the example of Christ to go to where the heart is and, and to do that. So that's why we meet here. That's why we have Bible studies at McAllister's Deli and men's meetings at Merritt's Grill. And that's why we do our baptisms in Morgan Creek and why we meet in the summers down at Weaver Street Market. Okay, it's, it's all of those things. It's why the offices of the church are these moving spots. And so our office becomes Caribou or Panera, or Sutton's, or Peppers, okay? Peppers, hopefully, as much as possible. Um, That is an intentional move on our part. It's one of the first decisions we ever made as a church, and we want to continually be marked by that. We want to be right in the middle of this place, right in the middle of this place. We want our hearts to be stained with the red clay of this place, which is impossible to get off, all right? You guys know that. That's who we are. That's who we want to be. That's who we are and we want to be because that's who God is. This is the God who came to us. And the second thing that we learn from this is that we are dealing here with a God who becomes what he wants to say. He becomes what he wants to say. He doesn't just give decrees, okay? He becomes the message. 
And that's what we are challenged to do. I love that. It's such a powerful thing here, how he wraps up the prologue in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the father's side, has made him known. You and I are called to make God known in this community. You are called to make God known in this community. And we challenge you to employ every type of creative form and medium you possibly can to make that happen. Okay? Get creative with that. But the most compelling and the most convincing platform you have for communicating the gospel of Jesus is your life. The most compelling and convincing platform you have for communicating the gospel of Jesus is your life. You have a message. You have something to say. So live it out. The incarnation challenges us to become what we want to say. As a church, we want to be marked by that. We want to be marked by that. It doesn't matter what we say in here if our lives do not match up to it. We believe in the power of words. It's why we have a large chunk of our time on Sunday mornings when we gather to dig into God's word and, and to talk, talk about it and to explore it. We believe in the power of words to change lives. But we believe in the power of lives to change the world. You have to become what you want to say or else your story, your message, your word, your speech is empty and meaningless. We will be marked here by intentional incarnation. We will be marked by becoming what we want to say. Father, thank you for the challenge of your word, but most importantly, for the power of this ridiculous idea of the incarnation. That you are a God who came to us. That you don't ask us just to come to you, but you came to us. I pray that we would be moved by that, but also that we would be challenged to embrace that pattern of life. That we would become the message. That we would become the story. And that our lives would become that compelling, convincing platform. We take words seriously and we believe in their power. But we believe in the power of our lives as you live through us to change the world around us. Help us. Mark us by that. In your name we pray. Amen.